But we did have another five-star review uh, on iTunes by Mick Drobow. Thoughtful and often humorous show on beer and industry. So you must be the often humorous, humorous part. You must be the thoughtful. No. <laughs> yeah, if only people hear the th- heard the things that Joe didn't cut out um, on beer and industry-related no, issues. No, I think they do hear the things that she doesn't cut out. <laughs> Joe admitted to you that she cuts more of you out than she cuts of me out. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt has been bringing you the best local and imported malts. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud sponsors of this. And this is Radio Brews News and it's Good Brews Week live from BrewCon 19. And it's, um, I can reach over, shake hands. We can't Still actually coffee. clink glasses, <laughs> but we can clink uh, paper cups of coffee and say, good morning, Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, good Matt. morning, Pete Mitchum. Mate, isn't that exciting? It's always good to actually be here with you, um, as opposed to doing it uh, by Skype. But isn't it awesome to be down at the conference? It's uh, Look, uh, I don't want to, and I'm always loath to, you know, oh, how good is this? It's really great because I'm, I'm uh, very much aware that there are people who just can't make it through logistics, through having a business to run, um, through expense, all those sorts of things. But I think it's really important that it's the one, you know, two-day block of the year that we really do get to, um, you know, ring our own bell and, and sort of really celebrate what we all do the other 363 days of the year. Um, and, and I guess when you're, when you're inside, you know, right within it, um, and I'm lucky enough to be hosting, you're lucky enough to be here. And, and how good is the, the, the Bruise News? We're in the green room overlooking the, the main plenary, so the, the, the main uh, room where all the keynote speakers uh, and where everyone assembles. And it's a beautiful little room. It's sound, like the acoustics. The, the, the sound, the whole... when we normally uh, record. That said, um, and, it, and it's great sound quality, it's nice we've got access to all of the keynote speakers before or after their, their, their talk. But I do miss, last year we were down in amongst the buzz of the trade floor. And uh, I, I think next year I'll put in a, a request to be back down on the trade floor. But there's just a really nice energy down there. Like it's it's been a little bit more relaxed up here because we've had a controlled um, run it, it's of people pretty, coming we're out. We're certainly making Joe's job a lot easier. The sound quality in terms of our, our listeners uh, is, is certainly 100% better. But yeah, you're right. There's... Um, and speaking to Jamie Cook yesterday, and I don't know whether you've had a chance to, to catch up with Jamie, but... Uh, we were sort of talking about you know the size of the of the rooms that we've got and that sort of thing. He said, well, in terms of planning for for future brew cons, it's it's actually the trade expo now that is the okay. Can you fit us in here? Okay, now we can talk about the rest of it. Yeah. So it, it's all planned around um, the, the just the way that the trade expo has grown. Um, and for those who can remember back to the the Lithuanian club, there were, there was literally. Card <laughs> A couple of blow-moulded plastic tables with some, um, you know, pop-up banners and uh, business cards and brochures. Now we've got full working, um, you know, brew houses down there. We've got canning lines. We've got and, absolutely and not everything. to uh, bang our sponsors gong um, because that's not what it's about. But Cry Malt, um, they uh, how good is that? So they've teamed up with Box Wars, who those who are at Gabs Melbourne um, will remember Hawkers. Joined with Box Wars, who are basically these crazy engineering types who, uh, you know, laser cut cardboard and then stick it all together. Into whatever, to create a giant whatever cardboard windmill and then cardboard wheat fields and It's absolutely magnificent. Fields. So the, um, yeah, so the, the, the cryo malt, oh, there could, be, there could be a wheat beer 
down there, so there could be some wheat. Um, but yeah, it looks absolutely magnificent, and and it it really the part of the theme uh, I think of a lot of the the seminars has been reminding people that beer is an agricultural product. Uh, so we've been talking about packaging, we've been talking about all the technology and that sort of thing, but everyone's sort of been saying, but you've got to re- remember, we're working with raw materials. Those raw materials are grown on a farm um, or they're cultured, you know, from nature. Uh, and and it's it's been really interesting that, that you know, the, the more we move into technology, the easier it is to kind of forget about that, our origins, our, you know, our, our brand story, mm. if you like. Which is a big part of it. Um, you, you've been hosting uh, in the Bintani Room. Yep, which is the uh, so the brewing operations side of things. things. There's going to be a lot of Cryer and Bintani. There's coming. a little bit of crossover. And I've, I've had to thank both sponsors because we had, <laughs> I uh, was lucky enough to meet uh, Gavin Lord, who's um, the head brewer at Freem Family Brewers in, uh, in Portland. And uh, he's been flown out by Yakima Chief Hops and Cryer Malt to appear in the Bintani room. So we sort of, there was all this kind of circle thinking. <laughs> we, you know, this is our uh, Cry Malt uh, Radio Brews News Week. Um, but we From the Bintani studio. We're but it does show, you know, and it's why, it's why we call, it's why I'm very conscious of, of calling this thing that we, that we operate in a, a brewing community or a beer community rather than an industry because it is that sort of thing. So, it, you know, it, it's not about us now. It's, you know, yes, we're... we're uh, Bintani, Kegstar and Cryomalt are the major sponsors of, of BrewCon and it couldn't happen without them. But they're all very well aware that, yeah, we've all got our own stuff to do. And I think, you know, one of our stories that we're going to pick up on today is, is, is going to cover exactly how that kind of, you know, works. It's collaboration. You know, there's yeah. a little bit, yes, there's competition, but then it's also to make an industry a little bit bigger. Nothing better, better than healthy competition, nothing. just to keep everyone on their toes and keep everyone uh, active. Exactly. No, yes, so during the marketing update, um, with Derek Hales. Derek Hales, that the IBA launches Indie Beer Day. The Independent Brewers Association has yesterday kicked off its annual conference and exhibition BrewCon um, by launching a celebration of all things independent, the first ever, in, ever Indie Beer Day. Intended to be a day to celebrate, promote and highlight the achievements of independent brewers, the annual event will be held for the first time on October 26th this year. Two o'clock. Two everyone o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Stands outside a pub. Yep. Or within a pub. Do you have to be out on the street? I, I think it's more about social media, isn't it, and just doing it all at once. But doing what what uh, the IBA is, what the IBA is hoping to do is to create the world's largest cheers. Uh, coordinated cheers, uh, raising a glass to the health of of independent beer uh, on October twenty sixth, and they're hoping to do it as an annual thing. Um, and look, kudos to the marketing advocates. I, I think these the, or the, the the working group within the IBA who are responsible for for that. They've um, I guess, and Derek was was very honest yesterday in sort of saying, "Yep, we had these great ideas. Yep, we got this happening, but we it, it's it doesn't exist unless we can tell everyone about it." And that's where we've, I guess, fallen down a little bit. So this is trying to redress that and say, "Okay, we've got all this, we've got our story, we've got a you know a, a genuine, uh, unique story. Uh, we've got what uh, what can't be co-opted, like the word craft." Um, you can't co-opt like craft can so craft can be co-opted yes can can be co-opted but like craft can independence can't and the important thing now is to say let's get out and tell everyone what the independent seal means what is an independent supporter all those sorts of things Uh, so well done to to Derek Hales and the crew for um, yeah taking the product that we have but saying you know we've got to admit we we actually we we've, we've left it in the top drawer we've been very proud of ourselves we've patted ourselves on the back for creating a really great 
thing, but now we've got to get out there and, and show it. Absolutely. And yesterday during Pete Brown's uh, keynote, and uh, I, I had a great chat with uh, Pete um, that will be coming out as part of our uh, coverage. Um, but yesterday, Pete really looked at what we can learn from big brewers and marketing, and um, it was very much his advertising background um, talk, and he looked at some of the, 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 the themes that craft beer touches on. This notion of craft, whilst it doesn't mean anything, it still means something. It resonates. Have, when you say craft beer, it resonates. It has and some value, yeah. When you look at a lot of the social um, change that's going on, that craft beer isn't just about flavour. Um, it's not just about... People sat here and said, this beer is boring. Give me a coconut-infused um, Belgian uh, oh, triple. Milkshake IPA. Um, milkshake IPA. No one sat there. That's evolved, but it's evolved... But it's it, it's not just the flavour of the beers. It is the some of the social movements that are going. It's some of the the, the mega trends about sustainability and um, experiences and all of the things that we we talk about in in marketing terms. And craft actually, he he made the point that was actually quite um, resonant that craft, the word craft when you describe beer actually plays into a lot of those big trends, in a way that independence doesn't quite so naturally. Um, press buttons. You yeah, know. yeah. I can't taste independence. I can taste craft. I, I, I think I can. Yeah. So craft, but and you know, craft. Um, I, I, millennials apparently um, are after. Um, and I'm not shit counting millennials. Don't don't start <laughs> typing yet. Should have seen the eye roll he just gave listeners. <laughs> no, but anyway, but you know, one of the things that millennials are often attributed, we're after experiences. We don't want products, we want experiences. And so, you know, Pete gave the example of the two hundred dollar carved wooden hand carved wooden spoon, you know, because people would At rather... which point thirty brewers in the room said <laughs> get some wood, get some <laughs> yeah. some whitland sticks. <laughs> and uh, and and but People are paying because they feel that there's an experience in having a hand-carved wooden spoon over a mass-produced one, and it's ridiculous. But craft does play into that notion. Independence is almost a one thing, you know, like it's it's got it's a one attribute thing, and it's going to be really interesting to see how independence is the one thing that independent brewers own that no other brewers can, um, you know, no one else in the in, in, in the industry can. But how do you make that a tangible? Thing that is a desirable. Yeah, how do you um, use that to sell to move units? Yeah, how, how do you go along the shelf till you get to the independent beer and pay that little bit extra just on that independent um, name? And it was, it was a discussion that uh, was in the uh, Facebook group. Um, Peter Howes, who is the father of Mark Howes from Newstead. Oh, Brewing. Newstead. Yep, yep. Um, he was on 4BC Radio just talking about um, the Green Beacon takeover and what independence means, and you know what their scale and what their com- what their competition is in in the, in the marketplace. And he, like, he, he told the story of Newstead quite well, but then he did what a lot of brewers then go on to do and so say, you know, because independent beer is quality. You know, we've got quality that the big brewers don't have. And we, you know, we, we're financing a um, PhD student to research yeast and uh, you won't see a big brewer doing that. And I kind of thought, well, that's where the independence thing starts to fall. You, you need to tell the truth about what independence means because people can taste a little creature's beer or, you know, the, the white rabbit red ale that we had um, at the the Ecker as part of uh, other things. And you know that, you know, big brewers, they are passionate. You you, you speak to someone like um, Chris from... Um, Chris, Chris uh, Sheehan. Sheehan. 
Um, yeah, at your Monday at the moment. Yeah, but whole but lot of worked at a lot of the, yep. the line breweries. You speak to Chuck Hart. I mean, Chuck is a very big line company. Quality is first, second, and third. But also passionate about his product. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and and there are a whole lot of things that independence doesn't guarantee. Um, and some of the things that independence does guarantee, which are vastly important um, in, in, in my view, but they're just not, um, they're a little bit more ephemeral. Like yep. the future of craft beer is protected by having a whole lot of diversity in the marketplace um, and having a whole lot of people that are willing to take those smaller niches rather than the bigger niches that big brewers want. I'll tell you something else, Matt, that, that illustrates that point beautifully. Matt Morrissey from uh, Gage Roads Brewing Company uh, presented, uh, did a presentation on um, basically product safety and uh, ensuring quality and all that sort of thing. And there was a roll call from about 2011 through to 2019 of incidents of, you know, glass in bottles, of re-fermentation, of exploding cans, of all this blah, blah, blah. And I guarantee you, none of those came from any of the big houses. So it's it, quality, yeah, you, you can't equate quality. Quality, it doesn't, independence does not guarantee quality. No, no, quality by just a food safety metric, which is, you know, again, like it's very important, but in terms of what craft beer consumers looking at, they're not thinking, well, this craft beer does it or does it not have glass in it, it, it? It's one of those things that, you know, when you've got a bottle exploding in your, you know, kitchen, um, not a good thing, but it's not a, it, it, it's a thing you want to avoid. But in terms of the flavour, um, you know, the complexity of flavour, big brewers can do that just as well. And, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so it, it's going to be really inter- interesting to see what the narrative is around um, Indy. Um, Jamie Cook touched on a little bit yesterday talking about, um, you know, big brewers... And it was a little bit about the Green Beacon thing, which was a, a not really touched on in, in the room yesterday. But, you know, big brewers have all of these resources um, that small brewers can have by coming together for the Independent Beer Association, uh, yep. the Independent Brewers Association. Um, and that's a, you know, so that was a marketing idea for brewers to come together because together we have resources that are only available to the big brewers. And that's one of the reasons why we, we should have an association. It should be around independence. But it'll be interesting to see what the story is um, or what the badge is that you hang on, you know, the way that craft beer was had a badge um, for something and craft was against big. Um, but can, can they broaden that focus a little bit? Yep. Uh, now, something we touched on in the intro, and so you know, brings us uh, from switching from one sponsor <laughs> to the next. Shake Up as Cry Malt and Bintani uh, Swap Malt Suppliers. The shake-up of brewing ingredient supplies in Australia has continued with the announcement that Crymalt and Bintani are effectively swapping malt supplies. Crymalt has agreed to a long-term deal with German firm Palacia Malt GmbH from next year, which will see it supply uh, best malts, specialty and base malt. The agreement with the 120-year-old family-owned German company will begin in 2020. Cry will supply best malt. Um, at the same time, Bintani issued a statement saying it was to become the exclusive supplier of Wyman malts, which will be distributed from its Australian warehouses and two facilities in New Zealand. It's kind of like... It's kind of like it's musical chairs. And look, we, we should throw, throw the keys in the bowl, this, Yeah, this is kind of a little bit you know, further up the chain because you've with Cry malt, for example, you know, it, it, it's Cargill, it's Grain Corp. There are there are businesses above that are sort of doing these other various deals, um, and the same with and with, with Bintani, Bintani with Blue Supply Group. We saw the you know they were suppliers of Yakima, Yakima Chief, Chief hops, yeah, um, and yep. had done a lot to create Yakima Chief. And in fact, the first um, time we talked, we spoke to anyone from Yakima Chief, it was 
I'm partnering with Bintani. The second time, which was at Oddest 100 this year, was partnering with with Cryer. Yeah, and yeah. So that so these corporate mergers higher up the chain are having effects yeah. lower down the chain because of the chains of ownership. Yeah, but as I at least the the positive from that is that all those products will still be available. It's not like all well, all of a sudden you know you're going to have to import them um, directly. You know, yeah, the, and, the brewers and, won't suffer. And, and it, it's look, they're, they're keeping the uh, their customers uh, aware. Um, it, it, it does bring in one of the the interesting uh, things, which, which we'll touch on in the next story a little bit as well. In there's been a lot of talk. Um, there's been a number of um, groups at Brewcon dedicated to um, sustainability and environmental um, issues, um, and. It's one of the things that brewers, you know, love to talk about. You know, we're the local brewery. We create, you know, beer locally. Beer is best fresh, and these things. Until suddenly you start seeing brewers, you know, sending. You know, you, you see trucks of similar pale ales crossing each other on the Bruce Highway going north and south. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you sort of think, well, how sustainable is that? And uh, sending beer that you know that is ninety percent water overseas. Um, and Stone and Wood are just about to start, if they haven't already, contract brewing in the UK. They've been gradually building their footprint. Um, and yeah, Pacific Ale is really taking off in the UK. It is. But yeah, it, it does make sense to brew it here and then send it over if you can make it. In exactly terms of freshness and. In, but, but even then. Carbon footprint, all that sort of stuff. You know, I, I think we were talking about it. Um, Sierra Nevada, which is one of those breweries that is very much about talking about the environment and sustainability and those sorts of things. Once a year, they buy fresh um, Australian hops and they send them up to Sierra Nevada. They make the, South, their the, the Southern Hemisphere um, beers, harvest, harvest, yeah, beers, harvest ales, yep. and send those send beers back. back. And you sort of think, <laughs> you know, at what point is the market going to hold, you know, call them out on that? If, if sustainability is important, is beer geekery and having access to the, the, the I, I want this beer, I want to try it, and so environment be damned not my words but you know um, another eye roll there listeners <laughs> no it, it it is one of those conversations and you know but we have seen both crime malt and bintani positioning themselves if that minor trend becomes a, a major trend that yes they've got their partnerships with uh wyman and but they, they've also you know like bintani has signature malt crime malt has border malt so they are looking at the sustainability and the story regionality regionality and, and local yeah, malt grow it here malt it here send it to the breweries around yep. here yep exactly so um and, and it, it, you know, it'd be good to speak to some brewers about german uh, based malts versus english based malts versus australian based malts and um does it really does it really change the beer my understanding is that it does yeah um it yeah. does but then the other discussion that's happening um and when we're starting to see the really early stages of it coming out particularly from a lot of brewers who are looking to mark themselves out as being different is what are our unique defining beers? Um, you know, what are our, not necessarily estate beers where you don't have to grow the grain yourself, but beers made from much more local ingredients. Yeah. And so Australia, 
are going to have Australian beers are going to have using Australian malt and Australian hops. I'll get back to you on that because Reed Stratton is presenting this afternoon in the Bintani Room about using uh, Indigenous ingredients. Yes. So that'll be a really interesting one to sort of see, you know, getting that sense of place and getting that sense of uniqueness and a, you know, like a, a signature, if you like, for for your for your beers. It may not be having to, and I'm sure. Look, and hello to Stu Whitecross, who's probably sitting out on his tractor listening to this. I'm sure he would consider that at some point down the road, Voyager Malt will be able to produce specialty malts that are the equal of Varman malts, even though Varman have been doing them for you know generations and centuries to, to perfect their craft. Um, is there a way that we can, you know, our local uh, specialty malt producers can come up with those products? Well, that, that, that's one of the discussions that's taking place. Again, a little bit in the margins yet. It hasn't mainstreamed, but should... Should Australian maltsters be trying to recreate um, the, the malts that you can get overseas, or should we be looking at what's the best way to nurture our locally grown grains and make the best malts that are most likely going to have a little bit of a regional distinctiveness yeah, yeah. that is then going to lend Australian beer a regional distinctiveness? Do you think we can perhaps see, you know, like an Australian style pale ale that is not just using all overseas malts but just happens to have Galaxy in it, we'll actually have an Australian-style pale ale that will have Australian-grown, you know, heirloom, heritage variety, specialty malts yeah. and, you know, well, that, that mountain was one of the berry that... and a bit of lemon myrtle or whatever it might be. But does it need the lemon myrtle to be an Australian? Like, that's the thing. Um, those are the, you know, the, the icing on the cake or the cherry on top or whatever yeah. that's that really, you know, finger the lines on top or, of the cherry yeah, on top of the Davidson icing. plum, those sorts of things. Yep. But just having... Australian grown hops that have a distinctiveness over New Zealand uh, mm. grown hops or American grown hops, Australian grown barley, and that is almost inherently going to give a regional difference um, to beers. And it's, it's one of the things that we talked about during the exhibition because we always like to have what we grew up in our early days of beer drinking, the American-style pale ale. There are so few of those anymore. You know, you've, you've got East Coast, West Coast IPAs and things like that, but... A, a pale ale is just a new. Well, is it American hops? Which is what an American pale yeah. ale was always yeah, yep. done by. Uh, it was the, the, the signature of it was. Um, take that into all of the ingredients, and um, you know it, it was interesting um, speaking to Pete and uh, Pete Brown and Stephen Beaumont who were, who were judging, and they picked up that there was a little bit of a difference between the Cooper's traditional pale ale, a style, you know that, yep. and then the. What, what they called that's a northern pale ale, which are talking about stone and wood. Um, the, the Australian oh, style okay. pale ale, they, they just picked up there was a little bit of um, you know, feeling about the difference between that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, so we are seeing a fracturing of, of beer styles, but whether, um, as I said, one of the conversations is should beer be more regionally influenced by the ingredients and not just trying to imitate, going, oh, this is what American brewers are doing, let's try and recreate that. Um, so we'll import. Uh, it's difficult though, isn't it? Because for so long we've taken our cues from the Americans. What are they doing? Okay, something about, I don't know, you can't see through it. It looks like chicken soup. Let's start making those without actually looking at the process that created the haze craze. And that's what beer geeks want. Oh, you know, that's what consumers, sorry, I shouldn't say beer geeks, because that's what consumers want. Three eye rolls in (laughs) one episode. He's verb boiling boiling me. But these are all of the discussions. What is beer? What should we be doing? Should we be imitating styles and making them our own? Should we be coming up with purely distinctive styles? Why have a purely distinctive Australian style? 
when we want to try the things that are overseas. Um, you know, should, should we travel or should beer travel? There's all of this going around, mm. and a lot of it does come down to what is sustainable in the long run. Yep. Speaking of which, uh, okay, so, so this is actually Joe's interpretation of the headline. Um, no shit, this beer was made from Berlin's recycled wastewater. And when I click through to the link, um, the headline is actually crappy beer tastes great when it comes from Berlin's recycled toilet water. Um, <laughs> and of course... Nine, nine Shazer. <laughs> and of course we're talking about a brown ale that was made... <laughs> Can um, I just point out, Matt, that's, that's not only, that's not picking the low-hanging fruit. That, that is allowing <laughs> the fruit to fall from the tree into your lap. Uh, well, so, re- so recycled water, and they're going to call it, and we'll make a brown ale. So this particular wastewater plant partnered with a water technology company called Xylem to make reuse brew as part of a special project to raise public awareness and public interest in recycled beer. The beer was great. It was a multi-brown ale with nicely balanced hops and carbonation. It was brewed as a I'm traditional German alt beer. But yeah, so talking about uh, sustainability, and th- th- this was something that the Queensland Beer Awards... Sec Water. Um, Sec South Water. Queensland Water... Uh, Desal? This year promoted the desalination plant and encouraged brewers to who, who wanted to. They sent a, an IBC of, a, I think it was 1,000 litres of desalinated water so they could brew a beer to enter into the awards. And all credit to, um, to Phil and Steph and the team who just slotted the beers in into whatever category it was. It, there wasn't... This is a desalinated. So the, the judges didn't know they were they were drinking beer made with desalinated water, and that was kind of the the whole point. The so next, you weren't th- judging it as a desalinated. They were judging beer. it. You're no, judging they were judging it, it as an Australian style pale yep. ale or a, a, a Berliner Weiss or whatever it might have been. There was a whole range of, um, and I think, and it was uh, Ross Kenrick at uh, Bacchus Brewing who took the trophy for the best beer made with desalinated water, which was a mocha chocolate Belgian stout. Yep. Really interesting, complex beer, and um, but I, I would love to have seen some more brewers d- do that next year, and maybe make a pilsner or a you know a session ale or an Australian style pale, something really light, you know, so that perhaps the water chemistry does shine a little bit more to really showcase how you know yet yeah, you can drink desalinated water. The next step, of course, and, and sec water is we're hoping to do recycled water category now, next the, the year. Difference is, so recycled water is seawater, uh, um, desal, desal is seawater that's put through a reverse osmosis, Suck stripping the out, out the, the salt out. You add, but funnily enough, reverse osmosis is so thorough that it strips everything you, out. You have to add You have to back add something it. back into it because otherwise it becomes a solvent. And if you pass it through concrete pipes, for example, it leaches the minerals out of the concrete and degrades the concrete. And, and it can actually harm... Um, you know, equipment. So if you're pumping it through pumps and things like that, it can actually damage equipment. So you need to put, it's so clean that you have to put stuff back into it so yep. it doesn't have that solvent. And most brewers do that now with their water chemistry. They add calcium carbonate or, you know, whatever, gypsum, whatever it might be. To Which is to create the chemistry for the beer that for the they beer want. That they as opposed to just to make the beer, beer the water drinkable. Yeah. Well, or not, yeah, damaging to equipment. Um, <laughs> And so, so, so that's desal, um, and I think people are a little bit more accommodating for because you know Coopers has been using bore water since they moved to the new brewery. And yeah, Regency put, Park. Yeah, uh, Regency yep. Park. They put that through. You know, people are very accepting of water. There, there's a funny thing of um, people are a little bit funnier about water going down the toilet into the wastewater stream, coming up, then going through. Um, reverse osmosis yeah. and ending up in your beer. And 10 years ago, um, when Queensland was in drought, um, South East Queensland um, had a water grid built that included um, desal, 
and then four or five water treatment plants that take it. And it goes through a very complex process in order to, to make it drinkable. Mm. And there was a very high-profile campaign run by the Sunday Papers um, against it. And uh, Toowoomba, for example, the former mayor um, campaigned, you know, saying, we don't want to be called Poowoomba. Um, and it was a really visceral campaign yeah. that had a reaction from people and uh, essentially scuttled this billion-dollar infrastructure because initially the government wanted to change the water, um, yeah, so take the water, recycle it, and then pump it into Wyvernhoe Dam, which is a massive dam that supplies... It's the main supply. For it's the main supply. And the best thing you can do is not just pump recycled water straight into your, your, your pipes. Your reservoir, yep. Um, oh, right, and yeah. you know, so it goes like it is to pop it into your reservoir. It's getting UV treatment um, under you know, daylight. It's mixing let with... Let nature do its, yeah, a, let, a let nature do its thing. Yeah, yeah. It's clean water anyway, but it's also being... You know, if there are any issues that there's not it's actually being diluted amongst this huge body of water yep um and it's best to do that when you're drought when you're not in drought and your dam is 100 percent. this campaign was so successful that nobody wanted to use it um so Secwater has very smartly they've been you know running coffee carts um you know fill your water bottles at the exhibition um using desal water that started to become a little bit more normalised where people are going, oh, okay, this desal water's fine, you can make a great coffee, you can make a great beer out of it. The next step is trying to show, well, recycled, recycled water, water is, exactly is, the same. is just as good. Yeah, yeah, it'll um, be an interesting one to say. So well I wouldn't done, be well making a brown ale. That's a little bit no, too... No, yeah, I just think maybe... I'll be making a beautiful, crisp, clean pilsner that you can well, see just, through. Or just anything that's pale. <laughs> yeah. just, just give us a pale beer first to say, okay, there's no floaties in it. <laughs> it's, it now, is it brown because of the malt? Or is it brown because <laughs> no, of... bits of corn or, you know, like... You just want to... I don't know. Yeah, I, perhaps we need to speak to the marketing department about that one. But that So that was in Berlin? Yep. All right. But... It, one of the things that's really important um, if you're making a beer like that is tell the story of the beer. Um, and yep. as we've discovered recently, a great way for brewers to tell their story is on the label. Um, and, you know, I, I wonder if uh, you know, if you wanted to change the story, how you would go about doing that, Pete? I'd like to ask, without having a screen in front of me, <laughs> I'm guessing... Would I be picking up the dog and bone, Matt? And would I be calling one eight hundred eight two five? No, one three hundred. One three hundred eight two five eight five two eight five two two three five. One eight hundred one three hundred eight five two two three five. I was walking down on the trade floor, and the, our, our good friends uh, at uh, Rallings uh, have a booth down there. So this conference will be over by the time anyone hears this. But um, the first thing they jumped out, what's the phone number, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So that number is one three hundred eight five two two three five. But it, it's very, been very interesting. Rallings uh, labels uh, and uh, I keep wanting to say packaging and stickers. Yeah, I don't know why you keep throwing packaging in. Starting with well, last they, they can. Weeks. I think they can do labels for packaging as well. But yeah. labels and stickers. Um, and they've actually got a, a sign in their office or a list in their office of people that have come through the uh, uh, podcast. Oh, there so we go. Thank you, listeners. Oh, nice. So um, and. Even though they're not advertising this week, uh, Unleash Software are here at the conference as well. And uh, if you do hear about Unleash Software, um, and they can provide all of the software you need to run your business, inventory management and all of those things. I've got a really interesting uh, conversation coming up that I recorded with Maria Pearman, who was speaking about understanding the cost of what your beer costs. 
Yep. And uh, so she's a big advocate for, for Unleashed. Make sure you tell them that you heard about them on... Uh, tell them Bruce News sent you. Yeah, no, but it, 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 it helps us out. Um, and, yeah. it, and it, you know, it also you helps You won't get them. a discount or anything, but, you know, it's just no, but, nice to keep the wheels turning. Yeah. Anyway... Um, now I've got the I've got the screen today because uh, you didn't come prepared. So um, no real deep dive. If you're doing a run, it's going to be a short podcast unless Pete finds some way to wind me up. Well, no, well, we've got to get in. You know, we do. I've got, I've got a conference to host. Daniel Reed in the Facebook group thoroughly enjoying. So he was halfway through the chat with Jamie Cook, uh, thoroughly enjoying the uh, interview with Jamie Cook. That was a great chat. Well done on that. Um, and the, oh, the engagement, the feedback. I oh, know, but but just the. It, it, it would have been, I think, even listening to it, it'd be so easy to sort of keep bringing things back to, oh, yeah, Stone and Wood, Stone and Wood. It was almost everything but the Stone and Wood story. Um, and the engagement, the feedback, uh, the follow-up that I've heard through, um, and a shout-out to all of the, the, the magnificent volunteers who who I've um, worked with uh, over the last two weeks. So sorting all the beers, cataloguing all the beers um, out at uh, Chill, at Dandenong, Working in the in the cool room, um, packaging and sorting all the beers, then getting them out to Mooney Valley Racecourse to get the uh, um, the beers judged, and then they're all back here again, volunteering their time to you know uh, help out in the um, in the lecture theatres. They're helping out, showing people where to go. They're helping out on the trade floor. They're you know getting beer to everybody and all that sort of stuff. Um, the feedback I've been getting from them, sort of, you know, and the surprise, particularly with some of the younger ones, oh, I just assumed that Jamie was just always at Stone and Wood. So having all this background, I think, really puts into perspective just how uh, important our, our history is and how important the, you know, the people at the top of the chain and not just, you know, the, uh, the old fogies who are sort of, you know, ready to, to pop into retirement. They actually carry a lot of the, um, I guess, the oral history. Uh, absolutely. But it's... The thing about that for me was because yeah you know, we are primarily an industry podcast. We're not sort of sitting here over beer going you know what do you pick up? You know, isn't mm. this the pastry Nipa Goza the, the best thing? Um, all right, if you do that, um, but made from uh, poo. <laughs> but but it, but it was a, it was a great chat because you know Jamie was a refrigeration mechanic that you know sort of took that to to, to London, came back you know, um, and every step he has learned from mistakes that he has made and others have made and. The, the, the culmination of that is, is is what they applied at Stone and Wood, and even then, you know, he said that you know we've made mistakes, and there's nothing that he wouldn't change because it all adds. it's all part of the learning experience. And you yeah. see, yes, I had a great the chat with Sam Hamble from Hop Nation, yeah, um, yep. who you know they're four or five years into their journey, and you know maybe I'll start doing like a a, a Seven Up style documentary, <laughs> um, speaking to these brewers about because you know he was four years in, um, and I picked up some themes he gave it at a panel, and it's very interesting that they're learning stuff that you would like to go and see. You know, if the business goes on, or if another business um, develops out of it, what you've learned, how you've applied that, and uh, it, 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 it's very instructive for, for young brewers to, to listen to someone who's had the breadth of experience and seen a lot of things. And whilst pastry stouts are, are new and those sorts of things some of the trends that they fit into aren't new. You know, some of the business cycles... And oh, as Pete Brown pointed out yesterday, you know, the fashions, fads, come yep. and go, you know, nothing lasts particularly long, but it all becomes part of what makes, you know, a, a community like this so dynamic and so yep. organic and, and so, you know, and ever-changeable. You know, flares will come back. They may not be tartan flares, they may be polka dot flares, but, you know, 
that you know, so it's, it's a slightly different variation of the the, the fashion than we yeah, before. Yeah, but everything so. old is new again. Anyway, Daniel went went on to say, uh, love the part where he talks about putting together a specialist team to relaunch Matilda Bay. Made me think of the scene in Mississippi Burning which I rewatched the other night, where Gene Hackman was shouting at William Defoe, we do it my way with, with my, my people. people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jamie Cook and his uh, elite unit of beer people. So I can, I, can, I, I can see Jamie Cook as a bit of a Gene Hackman a bit playing of a Gene Jamie Hackman Cook. Type. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And William Defoe, uh, Ross Who would be William Brad? Defoe? Oh. No, I think he's going to have to bring somebody else in from somewhere else to, to pick up William Defoe. Finish your thought. Yeah, well, what I was going to say was get... Um, our listeners to um, give us some beer names on the uh, on the Facebook page. Uh, perhaps you know how would you market the um, the recycled beer water, and then maybe give us also uh, for those clever ones there uh, with the pop culture instincts to give us some um, some other Mississippi burning type uh, you know analogies okay. for, you know, with with beer names in it. Okay. No that's worries. that's their thing for this week. Um, we had, we did have another five star review uh, on iTunes by Mick Drobel. Uh, no, beer and beer issues. Thoughtful and often humorous show on beer and industry. So you must be the often humorous, humorous part. You must be the thoughtful. No. <laughs> yeah, if only people hear the th- heard the things that Joe didn't cut out. Um, on beer and industry-related no, issues. No, I think they do hear the things that she doesn't cut out. <laughs> Pete and Matt, Joe admitted to you that she cuts more of you out than she cuts of me out. Pete and Matt are obviously good mates, and so the show has the feel of a friendly chat over beers or coffees that the audience gets to be part of. No, that's nice, because that's, I guess, what Been we do. Been talking long, have you? <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, so, so that's the that's And here show. I was worried that we weren't going to have a cold open. <laughs> we've, we've left it till the last, but we've got it. Hey, look who's just joined us, Matt. This is what it's like at BrewCon. Everything's, you know, we're uh, on the go. It's everything's live, and before you know it, morning. good morning, Claire. No, no, so I've come over. Like, come over here, Sorry, Claire. Oh, <laughs> All right, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. How you doing, lads? <laughs> <laughs> She's been spending too much time with Pete Brown. I was going to say the oh, Yorkshire yeah. accent's just got that little bit thicker since you've been talking to talking to Pete. How are you enjoying your first BrewCon? It's been awesome. It's been really busy though. It has, and Crazy, I didn't even give you breakfast yesterday. I just sort of I threw know. you straight into the conference program. You chucked me a muffin later on, though. <laughs> that's not a euphemism, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Only you would think that's a euphemism. Anything, anything that you've picked up from the conference floor, Claire, that you want to share with the listeners? Um, I've actually met a few people that are wanting to start breweries or already gone on that journey, um, and that's that been we haven't cool. quite talked out of it yet. <laughs> not yet. We're working on it, but uh, yeah, they've been really cool. They're really engaged. I can't believe they even turned up and like invested in it. It's really cool that they've done that, um, and they've all said to me that they've learned so much. So we'll definitely be seeing them in the next couple of years, I think. Oh, wonderful. So, well, what, just while you were sitting there, we thought we'd uh, introduce you, yeah. Pete. Um, I think to just on Claire's point there. Um, something, this is the seventh uh, BrewCon and I've been lucky enough, privileged enough to, to be involved in all of them. Um, but the number of people you see who were those people that Claire just talked about three, four years ago who were, oh, we're thinking of starting a brewery. And now you look at it and you go, oh, well, you know, we've just installed a new canning line or whatever it might be. So mm. it's great that the, the conference can bring those people together. It's it's not just for um, for current brewers uh, wanting to relearn or, you know, learn new techniques and that sort of thing. For a lot of them, yeah, it's it, I don't actually go to too many of the um, 
seminars, but I'm down on the trade floor expo looking at, okay, down the track, if I want to get this, how much is it going to cost? Or, you know, how do I go Claire's about getting this? Claire's said that she's met a couple of aspiring brewers that they've basically brought their shopping list and they're down on the trade floor. So if... if oh, if, those if guys it, with, the, with the great big trolley. <laughs> great, the great big trolley. With the wonky <laughs> wheel. <laughs> well, I, I, I might need to back up the, uh, the, the station wagon to get the 400 litre uh, brewing system in. Um, <laughs> but, it, but it is a great opportunity. And, and I guess it comes back to where we started this uh, this talk with Jamie Cook saying, yeah, it, the, the conference has grown to the point now where we when we go to to a prospective state that we want to hold a brewcon in, the first thing is, can you fit the Trade Expo in? Because th- that's now the determining factor about whether or not we can use that venue. Because the rest of the stuff, you know, we can, we can. There's plenty of different rooms around. There are plenty of um, uh, places you can hire. Uh, we can, we can fit people into any number of rooms. But the the Trade Expo is the one thing that's, you know, it is a big thing, and people are actually uh, going around and looking at it. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so a big thing. And uh, yeah, to, just to take your point, you know, I think the first time I met uh, Lockie from Ballistic Brewing um, was in Brisbane when they were before they even had a brewery. Planning on a brewery, yeah. And, and they've just announced this week. A um, second brewery. Well, a second brewery and a third third venue. So it, a, a lot happens in a very, very short period of time at BrewCon. Don't forget, uh, thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, uh, all of our listeners who send in either an iTunes review, uh, send us a Facebook message, flick us an email, or just tell us, that, you know, shout it at us from um, you know from the balcony yep, at and if McDrobow um, however you pronounce it and I think I, that's too slab that's, that's got to be a slab now no well, that's my, that's my um, calendar <laughs> it's your phone going off but I've got a breakfast meeting now it? so we're recording not only are we having this over coffee we've got you know you, talking about you, working with a safety off. net so that's not my phone that's just reminding me that I need the to the noise come out of your phone it's your phone <laughs> <laughs> we're like this all the time <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yeah, look, uh, thanks to our very good friends at, at Beer Cartel who sponsor our Letter of the Week. And Mick Drobauer, send us your uh, send us postal your address. postal address. Now, I don't think they actually choose their... Because we've had a lot of people sort of saying, look, I didn't choose my name. So um, whoever wrote Thoughtful and Often Humorous Show um, under the headline Beer and Beer Issues that we just read out... Um, Email producer at brewsnews.com.au your postal address and we'll get a, a six-pack of some of Australia's finest independent beers. Possibly with some of Australia's finest uh, packaging labels and stickers because from our good friends at Rellings. And their inventory will be managed by... <laughs> Unleashed software. Unleashed software. All right, that's enough. That's, that's enough. enough. Gratuitous so Pete, commercialism. Great to see you. Uh, good luck uh, on day two of BrewCon. Thanks for that, Matt. And... Um, Special thanks to all our listeners, because obviously for making it worthwhile. But today, a very special good luck to every brewer who has a dog in the race tonight. The Indies, of course, by the time you listen to this, the Indies will have been uh, announced and and the winners crowned and the trophies polished and all that sort of thing. But good luck to all of the the brewers who have entered beers. Uh, Just under 1,000 beers entered, which is up about 300 on last year. And the pleasing thing, as as a steward, was seeing the number of um, reasonably new breweries... uh, Putting their beers into the into the awards, uh, not necessarily with the I, I, I would imagine with the intention of oh you know we're going to take a trophy with the first beer that we've ever canned, but just in terms of setting a benchmark for themselves and hopefully those beers will be, will return next year and the year after. And who was it at the AIBAs last year that the Vietnamese or Malay brewery that just entered? That was four years ago. Was that four years? That was four years ago now. Jesus, Come on, just Matt. trying to keep up. That was forty-eight <laughs> haircuts ago. It was. That was a lot. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, exactly. So the feedback that he got ten years ago, because mm. um, I was stewarding, that was one of the first ones that I, um, you know, and it was, uh, yeah, it'll come to me. But it's from Myanmar, Dagon, Dagon Brewing in Myanmar or Myanmar. Uh, but yeah, ended up, you know, your beer is not. This is this needs to be done. This needs to be done. He went out, bought the equipment, 
based on the feedback, uh, and then took away the champion, the champion international beer trophy. And um, that was it. So if you were just about to bring your run to a close and 15 minutes later we're still going, sorry. <laughs> just jog um, on the spot. But, but you, learn to ex- <laughs> you learn to expect that. Stretch. Don't forget to warm down. Um, <laughs> um, Isn't it a warm up and a cool down? But go on. Warm down. Well, just get on with right. it. Um, a thousand. Yeah, so, so a thousand. Words uh, mean things, huge, Claire. And that's a thousand indie beers because it doesn't include Green Beacon. Um, we, we, well, we didn't talk about that um, in, in, in the news. And there was some interesting discussion. Uh, there, there was a lot of, when we posted the story, that Green Beacon had entered yep. but wasn't judged. Yep. Um, because and I was responsible for having to go through 36 pallets to get out the 26 ah, cars. Okay. Yeah, so if anyone's after some cheap beer, that's not, I'll come and speak to me after the conference. But there, you know, there, there was, a, and to me it highlights a lot about Facebook is that there were people who just didn't even read the story. They just saw, you know, and it, it wasn't um, Green Beacon booted from Indies. It was just Green Beacon ineligible for Indies. Um, so a fairly neutral headline. And people going, oh, you know, it sounds like sour grapes by the IBA and, or, you know, sucked in, you know, shouldn't have sold... And it really, it, it was like it was just a business decision, a policy it, decision. But it shows the passion it, that we attach to to this thing. That at the end of the day is just ninety five percent water, some malt, some hops, 90, bit of yeast. Ninety five percent. Yeah. Well, no, it's a colloidal solution. So if it's a five percent beer, then it's five percent alcohol. <laughs> that was a so, sigh rolling. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a deep sigh from Pete. <laughs> at least we've got the name of the episode. <laughs> Eye roll. <laughs> but spell it like the cool kids do, and it's like a capital I, no, small I, capital R-O-L-L. Oh, there you go, Joe. Do I'm doing all the words. You just said words have meaning. Yeah. That's not a word. It's just a letter. I can't answer that. <laughs> anyway, I've, got a, I've got a conference to go and host. See you, folks. Take care. <laughs> thank you, Pete. Thank, thank you, you very Claire. much for coming. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks and, for uh, Thank you all, and congratulations to all the winners. You're all That's winners. It. That's it. Everyone's a winner in my book. <laughs> except the ones who had shit beer. No. Uh, and we're out. And we're out. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation. 